welcome to the introductory episode of the third season of Found in Translation, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one chapter or so at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet for me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Good to see you again after a bit of a break. Yeah. And yeah. it's good to see your uh, your shirt there. That oh, looks, yes. Uh, that looks fun. Gospel is anti-fascist. Yes, I bought the this shirt from uh, I believe it's Clackamas United Church of Christ sells these online. I also got a mug that says the gospel is anti-fascist. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking forward. I'm not entirely looking forward <laughs> to the first time somebody's like, "What the f is that?" Um, uh-huh. And I'll I, I, what I need to do is memorize the Magnificat before. Yeah. I wear this shirt in public, so I can just like drop that. That's right. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. There it is. Bring down the high. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Casts the mighty from their thrones and raises the lowly. Uh huh. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Um. Yeah. Anywho, so this is season three. Uh, we are gonna be talking through. Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. Galatia, Galatia. Yeah. Feels weird to say. Okay. Galatia, yeah. Sounds yeah. like a woman's name. It kind of does. <laughs> yeah, the difference being that it's a region rather than a city. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Um, I'm clearly very excited for this episode. Um, flying all over the place. So, uh, our first two seasons, if this is your first time, like, joining the show uh was season one was matthew it was a long stretch going through the uh gospel according to matthew and then uh this uh spring we went through ephesians paul's letter to the church in ephesus uh, so we had a few ideas that were that we a few words and concepts in that you're going to see in galatians we did already talk about them in these previous seasons but we're still going to acknowledge and give you the the quick summary of it but if you're ever curious about like i want to hear more about that word or idea just go back to those previous seasons Um, but you know what we should really start with is if this is indeed the first time you're listening to this show it'd be good for you to understand why we're why brandon is has been working on a translation of the new testament all Mm -hmm. on his own uh, yeah. And what the what the priorities are. So, Brandon, can you give the origin story to all this? Yeah, it feels like it's evolved, um, mm-hmm. but it's it started originally as kind of like a for my family, for my kids. Um, the original idea was kind of like I want to go deeper into starting to read. You know, they've they've had their kids like story bible that we've read a lot, you know, growing up. But yeah. now they're starting to get a little older. Um, feeling like maybe it's time to start going through the actual text together um and then realize like imagining myself doing that and imagining like every four words well actually Uh. here's what i think this really should be saying based on what i understand of the greek and like my 10 year old's gonna be like what the f like yeah what are you talking about stop saying well actually it's like the new Uh salah yeah yeah um so it didn't didn't want to do that. I was like, well, what do I do? So like, you know, maybe I'll go through and I will just like kind of create a version of it that's probably kind of similar 
to whatever version I'm working off primarily, like NRSV maybe, um, but updating certain things that I think need to be updated based mm -hmm. on what I've learned in seminary and biblical studies degree and just my own study since then. Um, You're kind of a geek for this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's a good way to put it. Uh, <laughs> but what I started to find as I went through it is I was relying less and less on a, an English version and then just like making adjustments mm -hmm. to, to more and more relying just on the Greek itself. And so I just kind of like, it, it kind of gradually shifted into like, this isn't just like a paraphrase or update. This is like a full on translation just from scratch, mm -hmm. um, which got to be fun. I started talking to you about it and to other friends about it and yeah. getting input and kind of got started getting excited about it. So yeah, it went from a, a like more surface level, just like making some adjustments to like this big project. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. And some of those key uh, translation priorities or commitments, what did, what have those been? Mm -hmm. Um, couple of things. One, just to clarify things like words that have been obscured. I think we've talked, made Ted Lasso references a lot, talking about when a word becomes a sound. Mm -hmm. Um, so words like righteousness, for instance, where we just kind of, or, and holy, like we just kind of gloss over it. We like kind of assume we know what it means, but I bet like if anyone were put on the spot, most of us were put on the spot. Can you actually explain what this word means? <laughs> They're just shiny religious We'd be words, like, yeah. uh, generally good, right? Like mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know. Yeah. So trying to find other ways to say words that have become sounds, uh, we've, we've been referring to them as religious technical terms. Um, yeah, I mean, I think those are the two aspects of these words is either they become, they mean almost nothing. It's just like my eyes glaze over them because it's just these, these mm -hmm. gilded obscurity, or it means this one specific thing that's part of a really tight, systematic right world a whole it, set of theology hinges on this particular definition of this word that if you adjust it at all the whole system collapses right right that's that sense of it being a technical term it's this like very mm -hmm. forensic kind of yeah yeah so wanting to try to find ways to translate the Greek that have been traditionally done with those English words mm -hmm. with different English words instead to try to actually get at the meaning that's in there and help that meaning be more accessible. Yeah. Um, and the other one is really, we, we talk about uh, harm reduction or healing and liberation, like the sense of a lot of these words have been weaponized. Yes. Um, in ways that they were absolutely not intended to be. Um, and so doing what we can to illuminate what is life-giving mm -hmm. in them instead of what has been destructive and hopefully have that be meaningful. It's meaningful, been meaningful to me. Um, so hopefully it's meaningful for other people too. Yeah, I've, I've gathered that there have been these, starting with those commitments, if you have a bias to listen deeply for those sorts of impulses or like really, really footholds mm -hmm. for um, 
weaponizing scripture, mm -hmm. it's profound the patterns that you can see develop when yeah. it's things are so consistently translated in a paradigm of it's all about rule keeping or mm -hmm. um, the good, bad binary and, and making those sort of right. flat decrees about things or yeah. listening for shame or authoritarianism. Yeah. Yeah. What comes to mind is that we talked more about this in Matthew, but actually mm -hmm. translating Diabolon instead of just transferring it into English letters. So what is traditionally devil yeah. is, is a word with an actual meaning. Mm -hmm. uh, it's false accuser or slanderer. Um, and so I translate it as false accuser and then like noticing the patterns of how the Sanhedrin and, and people in the scripture story are serving the function as a false accuser and how our weaponized use of scripture in current yeah. day serves the role of false accuser uh, rather than liberator and um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so even like you use the word foothold, maybe that's kind of what maybe you think of it. Ephesians talks about don't give a foothold for the false accuser. Um, so that's what we're doing. Bible we're translators. Take, take away that, <laughs> whole, that foothold. Yeah. 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 A couple more words should be said about um, at, at kind of a meta level about this. One is I used the word bias earlier. That's an important thing to say up front here is every translator has and translating team has certain prior commitments and biases. There's no bias free way to translate. So right. you're looking right. at um, a dead language mm -hmm. uh, and trying to that also cites another form, dead form of a language from 2000 years ago. And for us on the West mm -hmm. coast of North America, um, you know, all the way over across the our continent, the Atlantic, very the Mediterranean. Big cultural differences and it's linguistic huge. differences. It's yeah. way over there, and um, yeah, you, you can't not do some trans uh, some yeah. interpretation and bias. You can't do that when you're quoting somebody who lives down the street speaking the same language. That's <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's there's, there's always filters in how we understand and communicate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So being transparent and upfront about what those sorts of filters are is important. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing is you've said repeatedly, like, this is not meant to be the end all or the best mm -mm. or anything. Yeah. Uh, this is just it's my best be attempt. But... Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, and it's, but it's, it's wonderful. But there's no such thing as the best translation. It doesn't make, that's not, a, that doesn't even make sense understanding what translation is yeah language lives between i mean to jump ahead to uh you've already translated the fourth gospel john uh, and in the, in the beginning the usually it's the word was made flesh mm -hmm. um but a word is not two things one a word is not just something written down on a papyrus or a paper or a screen it is mm -hmm. a thing that has been released from one person and is between one person and another it lives in the vulnerable in between which is why yeah the latin new testament used oh they their word there was the word for conversation and exchange mm -hmm. so all translations are always 
living as an exchange, as an exhale to be received um, mm -hmm. instead of to be written down. Right. Yeah, it's, it's about when I speak words, I am sharing part of my own consciousness, part of my soul, yeah. part of myself with whoever's around to hear it. And you bring it in and take part of me into yourself and that gets mingled in there. So it may not be exactly how I experienced it. You're interpreting me right now, even, you know, yep. but there is this sharing that's happening. Um, yeah. And it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So that's, that's important to keep in mind about this translation is it's, it's a, mm -hmm. a work for this moment and it's meant to be a part of an exchange. If mm -hmm. in our, even our conversations, it's not meant to be, here's the best way. And we're trying to sell you on it. We often disagree about how you that's translated true. things. Yeah. And that that's part of the way that the life of um, God in scripture actually takes on flesh is in the exchange about it is in holding difference together as we engage the stories of our mm -hmm. ancestors. Mm -hmm. So if we disagree uh, or you disagree with us, that's great. That's part of the energy of being part of this tradition of the conversation and exchange becoming flesh again today. Yeah. And in fact, it would be fun to actually turn that disagreement into a conversation. Absolutely. And, yeah, <laughs> and hear from people what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. So let's give an introduction to uh, Galatians. This yeah. is a weird book or a letter. It's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's really strange. Uh, Paul gets really geeky about some of the stories of his tradition, Judaism, Mm -hmm. to make some of his points and done in, and not just like, oh, he's citing weird like moments in the story, but in such odd ways in logic structures that are just often very different from how broadly the kind of culture we live in does things. Mm -hmm. And his wording is so rambly. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and I was trying, trying my best to smooth it out. Maybe I can even improve on that a bit, but yeah, it, it's yeah, it spirals all over the place. Mm -hmm. yeah. Can you uh, could you summarize for folks what the the kind of sequence of this book is? We're gonna give you a sense of the mm -hmm. overview of of Galatians. We're gonna summarize the dominant Protestant way of connecting. We're gonna give you the dots, the Protestant way of connecting the dots, and then broadly the ways that each of us do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of the overall question, if that's the right way to put it, question he's answering or, or issue he's addressing mm -hmm. is kind of this push and pull with different groups um, of Christians at the time. One of the groups wanting really to say, in order to be allowed to belong in the church, yeah, you ha you have to follow all the rules in Torah, right? Right? Isn't that isn't that what we agreed on, everybody? Yeah, um, yeah. And and basically, Paul's you know the point of Galatians is it seems like you fundamentally misunderstood what Jesus was about. Uh -huh. 
Um, let me help you understand. And he does that first by telling a personal story about confronting Peter specifically about that very issue um, from as Peter was not openly welcoming people who hadn't been circumcised mm -hmm. um, and, and Paul confronting him about that as being part publicly. of this, like, yeah, publicly confronting him in the sense of like following all the rules in Torah is not what this is about. Yeah. Um, and then goes on to kind of build a case from, from Torah really about why that's not what belonging in the church is about. Um, and he goes all sorts of weird places, he goes back to Abraham, he goes to like comparing Sarah and Hagar in an allegory for what it, and, um, hmm. and all sorts of stuff. He defines the gospel in a single sentence. He defines uh, what the whole Torah is about in a single verse reference. Um, and does both of them, even the gospel is actually a quote from Genesis, not from oh, yeah. Math Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. Um, and yeah, and, and that's, that's kind of the point is, or, <laughs> or yeah, he didn't self-reference. Um, but that's kind of the thrust of it is like taking this, like you guys have missed the point. Yeah. He even like calls them mindless at one point. Because uh, like, why aren't you getting this? Like, this is the whole point of all of this mm -hmm. is exactly the opposite of what you're doing here. Here's the story to illustrate the problem. Here's what I'm trying to say instead. Here's how it lives itself out. Did you get it? That's, right. that's kind of Galatians in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then by the end of it saying, this is the, given this is how the gospel lives with tradition, uh, the, the lead up to it. Um, here's how we live in light of that. A little bit at the end. A little bit, yeah. He doesn't do as much of that in Galatians as he does in like Ephesians and Colossians. Um, yeah, but about but half as some. much. Yeah. So how would you how do you summarize the way Protestantism has understood Galatians? Yeah, I mean, there's a really clear story of how it started. Like it started Protestantism. Protestantism basically is Galatians. Um, Martin Luther was an Augustinian Catholic monk and was reading Galatians one day As one and, does. It, and it just hit him like well shoot my understanding of this has been that we're supposed to follow all the rules in order to be belonging and be okay but this seems like it's saying the opposite what the heck um and then so he went and wrote his 95 theses and mailed them to a door and here we are um mm -hmm. but what that has done is that all of a sudden an argument uh, within catholicism from the fifth the 16th century about yeah. whether yeah. going to heaven is dependent on doing specific things works um mm -hmm. or having the right faith and those two competing like that argument is now read by current day protestants as what paul had in mind in the first yeah. century yeah and that's nonsense yep 
<laughs> it sure is. Like it was uh, a germ of profound insight for his day. Like it's mm-hmm. a it's a reasonable like extrapolation or inference to get from Galatians, but it really this timely uh, insight calcified into a tradition of of its own. Mm-hmm. And Protestantism built up so much of its identity and theology and storytelling around um, some blend of this way of understanding what the gospel or this really what the story is like what the gospel is good news. Mm-hmm. What's the story within which there's some positive news, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, and then and then it also like got mingled in with a lot of like anti-Catholic bias, yeah, and anti-Catholic bigotry. and anti-Semitism, because all uh-huh. of a sudden we read oh god with the Galatians, yes, the the 16th century. Well, for a couple of reasons, when we read the 16th century Catholic Church is analogous to the Jewish tradition in Jesus' day. Um, so if the Catholic Church was wrong and Martin Luther was right. And therefore, Protestants are right. Then the Christians are right, and Jews are wrong. Uh, and Jews are all about works righteousness and going to heaven by following all the rules. And Jews would be like, "I don't even know what you're talking about." That would be, this is you know, nonsense, right? And then, of course, because the specific argument in Galatians is about do Christians need to follow all the rules in the Hebrew scriptures in order to be accepted as Christians, then that gets mm. turned into we, in order to be a Christian, you have to separate yourself from everything Jewish as much as possible. Right. Which is not the point either. No, it is not. It is not. Hmm. So how would you say what the hell the point is? What is, what is the flow? Connect, connect those dots and how you understand what Galatians is about and I'll just say if you could if there's any particular word translations that help bring this into focus, mm, like mm-hmm. you're pulling one word out, <clears throat> faith, uh, that is used yeah. to support that Protestant reading. And what's yeah. the Protestant mean? Yeah, I think maybe uh, three words come to mind as maybe being important shifts that help mm-hmm. help me get there anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, faith i'm either doing as primarily in galatians as faithfulness Uh um a little a couple of times as like trust or even like trusting faithfully i think i do once like because they're connected and we'll get that we'll talk more about that as we get there yeah about what you don't need to show your work right now yeah (laughs) um and then another big shift is instead of law i'm translating that as torah oh yeah um and that shifts it quite a bit for me. Um, and then works, what's traditionally works, I'm doing as actions, mm-hmm. um, which isn't a huge shift, yeah, that's but just helps thing. just helps tip it a little bit to make it clear feel clearer to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the flow being basically like, are these things in competition with each other? What? what's the relationship between these things? Cause there is a relationship, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just kind of redefining what is that relationship? 
if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So what is the, if, if the Protestants way of holding Galatians is generally, um, the, the broader story is um, we all are born rule breakers and mm-hmm. going to the bad place. Um, God got in the way and absorbed it somehow in Jesus made it so that we can, even though we are rule breakers, we can still go to the good place in a disembodied way. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Also, there's a lot of rules, but they don't actually, they're not what makes you go to the good place, but you should still follow them and we'll still be mean to you if you don't. And Mm -hmm. that's okay. I'm, I'm being a little, yeah, no, I unfair, but yeah. Paul uses like a nanny to kind of describe Mm -hmm. uh, the role. I kind of think a good image would be like bumpers when you're bowling. Like the point isn't not to touch the bumpers. The point is to knock down the pins at the end. The bumpers are there to help you course correct Mm -hmm. so that you're more likely to hit the pins at the end. They're the stripes on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the purpose of Torah and they they it's supposed to help you be more faithful to stay on the path yeah and when you suddenly make it about those rules and those guidelines and those helps and perfectly checking off all the boxes mm-hmm. in order to prove that you're bowling <laughs> oh my god like you've completely missed the point it's not a, that's not what it's about anymore over the line and yeah. and if yeah, as soon as you start saying, "Oh, you hit the bumper," get out, get out of the bowling alley. That's a problem. Why are we? Why are we just trying to like keep less people in the bowling alley? It's more fun when more people are playing. Um. So the point is, like, let's get everybody in here, and we're helping them mm-hmm. build their skill and get higher scores in their bowling game. But like. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the point is to to knock down pins. And whether the bumpers are there or not really doesn't matter. The point is to to get more strikes, to to mm-hmm. stay on the path more more faithfully. So what do you think the story is within which Paul is addressing this like controversy of like do you have to be circumcised to be in, quote unquote? Yeah, I think that's kind of the point is there's this uncleanness cleanness like line in the sand there's this like jew and everybody else line in the sand that there's like which is missing the point of jesus specifically went to people who weren't jewish went to to gentiles and welcomed people in he went to people who Mm -hmm. had who are women and not allowed to be in worshiping the temple. He went to people with chronic illness who weren't allowed to worship in the temple. All these people that were being excluded supposedly on the grounds of faithfully checking all the boxes of the rules that Torah outlined. Yes. And he's like, this is not the point, people. It's not the, if you're using these rules to exclude people, you are missing the point. The point is to be a light to at the whole world to get yes. everybody in yes. here. Yeah. And if you're mistreating people, you're unclean. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the core 
themes that I that I've been seeing in Matthew, in John, in in yeah. Colossians and Ephesians and, and Galatians, like that's the thing. And so the point is to be including as many people as possible. And some people won't want to be included. They'll they'll exclude themselves, and that's beyond what we have any power to control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if we're the ones keeping people out, that's a problem. Yeah, it's in a lot of ways, it's a question of what do you do with the things that have been part of your life together that have that make distinctions? Are those going to become things that create divisions that are, need to be going continuing forward? It's a question of mm-hmm. what do you do with the past, with what got you to where you are today or where you all are mm-hmm. today? Um, and when you, what happens when you realize that your story so far may be beginning to cause violence? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how do you live with, like, do you, how do we respond to that past, that tradition, that structure? What, and if the structure isn't the goal, if it's not what got us to the finish line in the, in the language of mm-hmm. Paul, if the Torah isn't can't deliver the promise, um, can't deliver the gospel, what's it even there for? Um, in some ways, it's like, we talked about this a couple nights ago, uh, a lot of folks, when they get to a point of recognizing that penal substitutionary notions of the atonements of what God did mm-hmm. through Jesus on the cross for the world. Yeah. And for um, those not don't know the term, it's basically the God is really mad and yes. in order for us not to be punished, somebody else has to be punished. And so yes. Jesus steps in as our substitute, substitute to take the punishment for us. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's all within the rule, rule breaking. What do you, what does God do with rule breakers paradigm or story? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, when you get, when some of us get to that, re- recognizing that is bunk, mm-hmm. it's, I would say satanic in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, wh- well, what did, what did, what did Jesus die for? What was mm-hmm. the point of the crucifixion? Great question. Great crisis to be at theologically. There's so much that can be mm-hmm. born there. And I think that parallels nicely with the question that um, the, the, the community of the spirit, the community of the life breath in the first century saying, God has done a new work creating Jew and Gentile together to be living into the Messiah's reign and life together. And the Messiah's life is done in, in Jews and Gentiles together through the legacy of the Jewish people and the story, their, their journey with the divine. But now we're realizing what do we do with it? <laughs> what do we uh-huh. do with what we've been grafted onto? And does the, um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating tension because all kinds of things that are part of our world and life from a, a local church's religious structure or like, baptismal vows or covenant all the way up to like um, a pledge of allegiance to something as close to your skin as like gender and sex can all be these things that help us Mm -hmm. navigate the world intelligently intelligibly for us for a time but there's difference and diversity and what happens when those things become hostile and conditions Mm -hmm. of belonging needlessly i think that's the question paul is asking in the light of this inbreaking spirit and future of god yeah Absolutely. And there's a sense of developing maturity too. Like mm-hmm. when I was a child, I thought like a child. And now that I'm an adult, I think I'm like an adult to loose paraphrase of Paul there. Um, 
you need structure. You need boundaries yeah. and guidelines when you're a kid to like have a sense of how to make how to make sense of the world. How do I be in the world with people and in relationships in ways that are appropriate? And eventually, you're supposed to internalize that the yes. values underneath those rules, and the rules become irrelevant. Not that you should automatically start breaking the rules either. It's just that the rules aren't the thing anymore. And no. maybe yeah. the values would lead me to, to make a decision in this situation that looks different from the rule in that situation. Yes, yes. I mean, no. so no wonder by the end of Galatians, Paul says like, hey, look, so the culmination of this is there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor Greek, like male or female, new creation. Mm-hmm. So is, is, the, is the groovy thing happening here? Um, yeah. And that's what we're going to really be uh, journeying towards in the months ahead. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good summary we've got of, of Galatians. Yeah. Um, thank you for listening in on this introduction, both of the uh, a recap of this translation project, as well as where we're going to be going so far. Hopefully it was a good preview of some of the things we're going to be touching on. Mm-hmm. Um, the easiest way to support Found in Translation is to leave us a rating or review uh, on whatever app or uh, website you're enjoying this on. It makes it easier for more people to find the show. Second best way to support the show is to become a sponsor for just five bucks a month. When you do that, you get comment access on the Translation's Google Doc and the satisfaction that you're supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. You can find the link to join the community in this episode's notes. The music you're listening to is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Founding Translation was produced by Perry FM on unceded Chinook land. Goodbye, Brandon. Bye, Brandon. Bye, everybody.